Hey everybody, it's Allie and welcome to our YNR chat for Sunday, July 31st. Okay, okay. Let's talk about Diane. <laughs> Diane is up in everybody's business. She's involved in everybody's life right now. Diane has been scorned by pretty much everyone she's ever met in this town. And she's not going to take it anymore. She's done. She's fed up. And I think I could, I could be wrong, but my YNR spidey senses are tingling and telling me that we are getting set up <laughs> for a who killed Diane Jenkins scenario here. And I think the most interesting part about the entire thing is the fact that it could literally be anyone. It could be anyone in Genoa City. I, I think that Diane is going to end up dead and everyone in Genoa City will be a suspect. I mean, like, think about it. Who would have motive to kill her? Okay, let's flesh it out here. It could be Adam. It could be Jack. It could be uh, Victor or Victoria or Nikki, who's missing from rehab. <laughs> um, it could be either Abby or Ashley or Tucker. Or it could even be Phyllis. All of these people have reasons to hate Diane. She's inserted herself into all of their lives, made trouble in all of their lives, and I'm telling you, if this woman ends up dead, this is exactly where we're headed. So I think let's take it piece by piece. Let's just, we'll deconstruct <laughs> together. First of all, Adam. I think that Adam is the most obvious and the most dangerous and likely suspect. I, I feel like, first of all, Adam had this elaborate plan to try to help Diane fake her death and frame Victor for the murder. And he got Diane, suggested to Diane, that she send Kyle away to school in Switzerland to just get him out of the way and, and keep him safe from all of the fallout of this fake death. Get, get him out of the way and keep him safe, which I totally understood. That part made complete and total sense to me. Um, and by the way, Diane's goodbye to Kyle was amazing. She's sitting there in the airport knowing that she's sending her son away and that she's in all of this trouble. And even the scenes where she was convincing him that he had to go. And the kid 
had this opportunity to tell Jack all about it and to not go along and not be involved in another one of his mother's schemes, and he, at the end of the day, decided to remain loyal to his mother. They're a little team, Kyle and, and Diane, and which I think will be very interesting in the future, by the way. But that whole, you know, final scene between Kyle and Diane was so great. And, and honestly... That was probably the first time in the history of me watching this show that I have actually been sad to see a child actor go. I just, I just typically don't warm up to the child actors. It feels, it, it, they're so fake that it takes me out of the moment. But this kid was really good, and I hope that he ends up coming back. I was sad um, to see him get on his plane. But, again... Getting Kyle out of the way, that part of the storyline made sense to me. What did not make sense to me, I cannot wait to get your opinion on this, because I, I have no clue. What did not make sense to me was the part of the plan where Diane goes to Victor and begs him to take legal custody of Kyle, of her son, which she totally did. Victor hesitated, but he signed the documents. She signed the documents. Kyle is now legally, uh, Victor is his custodian. Legally. I don't know how they did that without, without Jack. I have no clue. And I have no clue why. I don't understand how that benefited. Does that make sense to you? How, like, how does that fit into the plan? It, like, it, it completely baffles me. That Diane would sign away custody of Kyle is completely unbelievable to me, and I don't understand it. Because, say what you will about Diane, this is the truth. She has always been a good mother to Kyle. She's always looked out for his best interests, even as she gets herself into all of this trouble. And I just can't imagine her giving up parental rights. To the thing that means the most to her in the world, just to be involved in another one of Adam's revenge schemes. I, it just doesn't make sense to me. Does it make sense to you? Please leave me a comment. That's so important to me this week that I understand that. So please leave me a comment and let me know if you if you get that, if you've pieced how that is going to, to fit into the puzzle. I, I can't wait to hear that. Um, but when Adam found out that Diane had gone behind his back and she had made a plea bargain with the DA to throw Adam under the bus uh, for the whole Newman IPO stock scandal and save herself, Adam pulled out of the plan immediately. He was like, I'm not having anything more to do with you, Diane. In fact, he even made the, you know, the neck cutting motion to her, like, I'm done, it's over. And in, in fact, you're done, you're over. So, she really definitely screwed over Adam, ultimately. He has all kinds of reasons to be unhappy with her. His, like, Adam's life right now is becoming a, a real, real example of you reap what you sow. He's like a living, sitting breathing example of that principle. He, the, the, the Newman IPO scandal blew up in his face massively 
thanks in part to Diane. And now he's been indicted. He's been indicted by the grand jury for um, stock manipulation and fraud. And because of that, because he caused this kind of um, public scandal around himself, Victor was able to legally have him thrown off the board at Newman Enterprises. So that ruins his little plan B to get at Victor. And oh, he was really enjoying that. So that screwed that screwed his plans there. And um, oh yeah, his hedge fund is now completely worthless because nobody is gonna want to trust him with their money when he's being indicted for fraud, so he can just kiss all that goodbye. I mean, Adam has straight up vowed revenge on Diane, and he has every reason to enact that revenge. I think that, um, really, <laughs> the only way he wouldn't is if, if somebody else beat him to it. Okay, what about Jack? What about Jack? I, I mean, at the tail end of Friday's show, Diane revealed to Jack that she'd lied to him about Kyle's whereabouts, and Jack was clearly upset about that, but the conversation turned really weird really quickly. I mean, Jack should in all right just be straight up angry with Diane, and Diane twists it and turns it in this weird way. She starts telling Jack about how much she needs him to help her, and Jack's initial reaction to this is, well, you're trying to bargain, you're trying to get money out of this, because of course that's what everyone assumes of her. You're trying to bargain, you're going to try to trade our son for money with me. But no, I so I don't even know how to get in her head at this point. She starts, <laughs> she starts talking to Jack about how the kind of help that she needs from him is the kind of help that she can only get from having a real family. Jack actually, like, looked at her in this moment where she's being all weird, and he looked at her and said, are you on drugs? And that's exactly what I was thinking, too. Are you on drugs, Diane? Because if not, maybe you need to be. It was so bizarre and off the wall. She starts saying, like, I want for you and me and Kyle to become a real family again. And I know that you really want me, Jack. You've always really wanted me. I mean, you slept with me before before you were getting ready to, to, to get married. I mean, I know you've always wanted me. And then <laughs> she huh, turns around, faces him, and disrobes, <laughs> showing her complete nakedness to him and saying, you know you could never resist this. <laughs> and Jack's just standing there with that Jack kind of look on his face. Like, Jack has that. Just when sex enters Jack's mind, it's just, -ding -ding. I mean, that's all he can think about. And so he's just got this look on his face. Diane's standing there nude, and we see this shadowy figure who is standing outside of the Abbott Mansion, looking in through the window, seeing Jack and Diane standing there in her nude in this obviously compromising situation, and there's this shadowy figure looking in on the whole thing. So that's a big question mark. That's another big piece of this whole puzzle, of which there is so much to put together. And I think 
if you ask me, <laughs> which you did not, uh, but which I'm going to tell you, I, I feel like um, whatever that element is, I think it had to have been placed there in order to implicate Jack in some way. You know, when this all blows up, you know, whatever climax we're headed toward, I think that person is there to kind of, I don't know, maybe even testify against Jack, that that uh, he saw them together and that perhaps, you know, he had, it was a crime of passion sort of thing. I don't know. That's, that's, that's what I think. Except, like, my gut instinct is telling me that all of this other stuff aside, <laughs> just wait until Jack finds out that Diane signed away custody of their son to Victor, <laughs> his number one worst enemy in the world. <sighs> now, there's a reason to strangle a bitch. As if all that wasn't enough, um, Victor and Victoria and Abby are all hanging out in this meeting at Newman Enterprises talking about Victoria's decision to make Abby the new spokesperson of Beauty of Nature, which we'll talk about later. And Victoria gets this phone call from Nikki. Except it's not actually Nikki. It's imaginary Nikki, which is nowhere near as good as real live Nikki. Don't, don't even get me started. <laughs> don't even get me started on all of that because I hate that Melody Thomas Scott is not on the show right now. It bothers me every time I see her in the opening credits. And and know that she's not going to be on the show. I just I want to cry. It it's 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 inconceivable to me that that Nikki's not even that Nikki's not here when her family is going through all of this, and it really bothers me. Does anybody have an update on that? By the way, it's been a couple of weeks since I since I looked into what was up on the MTS front. Uh, but I last I heard they had not asked her back. Uh, onto the show. I'm I'm really curious if anything has changed since then. Is Nikki coming back anytime soon? Please leave me a comment and let me know because it seems like now would be a really good opening to bring her back because Nikki calls Victoria and she tells her while everybody's in this meeting that Diane has filed a lawsuit against Nikki for alienation of affection. I was wondering when that photo that Diane took of Nikki and Victor lying in bed together would pop back up. It's been months and months of sitting on that little gem, so it was nice to finally figure out how that was going to play into the mix. It's like everything is unfolding at once. Everything. It's almost hard to keep up with. But Diane is contending that um, it, that it was, um, you know, Nikki and Victor sleeping together that contributed to the downfall of her marriage. So uh, she's going to sue Nikki for that. And she has photo proof. You know, she has it in living color. 
Now, Victor, hmm, not happy, not happy about this latest um, uh, uh, move by Diane. So he goes to her hotel room to confront her, to tell her to drop the lawsuit. And <laughs> surprise, Diane has another trick up her sleeve. Diane hmm, has purchased from Deacon for a hundred dollars the tape, the video that Abby made at Glowworm confessing everything to the world that she ran over Tucker, which, um, by the way, Deacon has fished out of a dumpster after um, Victor had Abby kidnapped and sent to rehab. So, first of all, the glaring comment that I have to make here about all of this is a hundred bucks, Deacon. Really? A hundred bucks. I mean, I, I, I can't, it, I, there's, there's, there's a reason that this guy is pouring drinks in a bar and not working at Newman or Jabot because he could have gotten thousands of dollars, possibly millions of dollars for that tape if he had just taken it directly to a media outlet. Uh, after all, that's exactly what Diane is going to do. I, I, Deacon, oh, what an idiot. He should have shopped it around sold it to the highest bidder, bought himself a decent haircut with the money. But no, he sold it to Diane for a hundred bucks cash. <laughs> and Diane shows it to Victor. Now, after everything that Victor went through to keep this confession of Abby's out of the media. Diane is standing there showing him that she has this video evidence, holding it over his head and enjoying it and demanding payment, letting him know that he's going to have to pay up if he wants to get keep this video out of the eyes of the media. And we all know that although Victor wants that badly, he's not going to take kindly to extortion, least of all by Diane. So... <laughs> Victor grabs the camera out of Diane's hand and just throws it against the wall, and it crashes, makes a sound, and Victor's just wah, 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 kind of got that vibe going on, but not violent toward her. Out of the blue, Diane starts going, don't hurt me, Victor. Don't hurt me, Victor. Just leave. Just leave, and don't just leave me alone, and just, like, all of a sudden flipping out in this kind of, like, simulating this loud argument. Hmm. <laughs> simulating an altercation. Now, Victor looks at her like, are you insane? I mean, because it, it came out of nowhere. I mean, she literally is coming off like a crazy person. I mean, we know that there's a plan behind it. But she's just coming off so, so weird. Victor leaves her hotel room, and Diane calls the police. Of course she does. And she tells them that Victor threatened her. And Victor, later, 
is arrested for domestic abuse. I couldn't believe it. Like, is that really all that it takes? Some screaming? I mean, like, an an accusation with absolutely no physical injury and absolutely no physical evidence. Is that what it takes to get somebody arrested for domestic violence? That's so weird. <laughs> like, I don't know. Uh, I just couldn't believe that it was that easy. Who knew? Um, but anyway, meanwhile, this picture of Nikki and Victor in bed together it has started to uh, make the rounds. It started to hit all of the gossip magazines, and it's showing up on internet sites. And Victoria decides to go pay her own little visit to Diane and give her her peace of her mind. And Victoria was more threatening than Victor was. Victoria straight up told Diane that the Newmans are going to make sure that she gets what she deserves. So right there, Victoria, way to go. So making herself a target. Um, Victoria leaves, tries to get Nikki on the phone, and is told by the people at rehab that Nikki has checked out of rehab and she has gone missing. So there you go. I mean, right there. Victor, Victoria, and Nikki all have motive, all have means. I didn't get a chance to talk about this last week um, because we didn't chat last week. But last week, Abby confessed to Tucker that she was the one driving the car that hit him. After all of these months, all of that building, all of these, all of this waiting, she finally told him. And I was glued to the screen. Let me tell you, that was a beautiful moment for me. So I, I, it's worth backtracking and talking about it a little bit. Um, because she tells Tucker the truth. And he just looks at her and says, I know. I knew the whole time. I saw you driving the car. I knew it was you the entire time. I, I just wanted to see if you would admit it. Ooh. I thought that was good. I thought that was really good. And then he was like, I just have one question for you. Did you do it on purpose? Did you try to kill me? And Abby, I think, was taken aback. You know, I don't think she knew quite how to answer that question. And so she tries to be honest with him. She's just like, you know, look, I was I was drunk and I was confused. And I don't think that I tried to kill you. I hope that I didn't try to kill you. I didn't have it in my heart wanting to kill you. Um, and Tucker believed her. He accepted it. He forgave her. And uh, then this was really good too. Abby says to Tucker, look, I was honest with you just now. I gave you the complete truth. So I want you to be honest with me in return. Did you sleep with Diane? She knows she caught them way back, way back, long time ago. She knows she caught them together. And Tucker has always denied it. And so she asked him flat out, tit for tat, I told you the truth, you tell me the truth. Did you sleep with Diane? And Tucker lies. 
He's like, nope, mm -mm. never happened. There was never anything between me and Diane. And I don't think Abby believed it, but it was this awkward moment. Like, you know, I don't think Abby knew what to believe because if Tucker didn't sleep with Diane, then everything that she did, all of that hatred toward him, ruining her mother's wedding and torturing her and sending her mom to jail, all of that was something because of something that she imagined. So I don't I don't think she fully believed him, but it, because it was such an obvious lie. But I was I was disappointed in Tucker in that moment. I thought, gosh, you know, I kind of wish he would have he would have told the truth. But in a way, I also know that he he really couldn't. Like, I mean, he wasn't gonna risk blowing everything with Ashley now after everything that they've been through. Um, but I I guess um, you know, Ashley lied to him too. She fed him some lies too. I mean, she. Tucker turned around after this confession with with Abby and confronted Ashley about it because up until this point she was still saying I was driving the car. So he he confronts uh, Ashley about it and she kind of you know she's like you know what I feel like I had to I had to lie to you about it. But you know in a, in a way I kind of think that when Tucker woke up from his coma, the first thing he said was why did Abby try to kill me. And in a way, I kind of felt like Ashley tried to make him feel like he was confused or just mistaken. She tried to make him doubt himself, you know, and that, so that was a lie too, you know, that was a lie and that was a little manipulative, but, you know, so I kind of feel like, you know, in a way, it balances out, but I'm also totally trying to justify the fact that I love Ashley and Tucker together. So everybody just decided, you know what, we're just going to sweep this whole thing under the rug. Let's pretend like that entire accident never happened. And there was this brief, brief moment where everybody felt like it was finally over. All of that tragedy was finally over. It was like, <sighs> sigh of relief. Let's put it behind us. And that's about how long it lasted. Literally those moments. Because it was all fine until Diane got her hands on Abby's video confession. Now, the video has not actually been released to the public yet. So that little, you know what, has not hit the fan yet. But if... Diane does release this video to the public. It creates motive for another three people. First of all, Abby, well, and Ashley and Tucker will all be destroyed. Abby, not only is she probably going to get arrested for Tucker's murder, it was a confession. And they don't have, the DA does not have a conviction for it. So not only is she probably going to end up being arrested for murder, but she's damn sure going to lose that sweet beauty of nature deal that she just landed, that she wants so badly. They're not going to keep her on. That's going to destroy that whole little track motive. And all of Ashley's work, everything that she's done to try to cover up this lie, this horrible thing that her daughter did, is going to be undone. All of that is just going to be undone in a moment. Not to mention that Ashley will probably go to jail for aiding and abetting and lying to the police. And I'm telling you, oh my goodness, without Ashley, Tucker.
Tucker, mm, I, mm, he Tucker is not going to be able to tell the difference between a quarterly financial report and his can of hairspray. Phyllis hates Diane. Talk about motive. She hates Diane. I mean, mostly because Diane walked in and interrupted Phyllis getting stupped by Nick uh, in the Restless Style newsroom. <laughs> so crazy. Phyllis and Nick, dang. It's like, yeah, yeah because um, you know what really turns me on? The news. <laughs> Get in a hot story. Writing. Writing. It's hot. <laughs> I swear to you guys, Phyllis and Nick can find any reason in the world to have sex. Like, everything turns them on. It's not even funny at this point. It's like, uh, so, uh, what's for dinner tonight? Chicken? Oh, mm, oh that's so sexy. Oh, mm, that makes me hot. <laughs> Chicken. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> Enjoyable, but ridiculous and, and comedic. So, anyway, um, Diane walks right into Restless Style, sees Phyllis and Nick on the desk, getting ready to go at it, and Diane just loses it. I mean, for some reason... Seeing that was, was, it was like her final straw. It was just, she's just, she's a woman on the edge. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Diane's going to kill somebody. Maybe it's the other way around. But she just sees this, you know, this man that she wanted to love sleeping with this woman that she despises. And she just snaps. She pounced on Phyllis like a, like a, like a jungle cat. <laughs> just pounces on her and like ready to just like just take her down and she just throws Phyllis off of Nick and managed by the way to leave a couple of claw marks on Phyllis it was intense I I I kind of almost like can't believe that Phyllis didn't rip Diane to shreds I mean Phyllis is I think if, if, if we're gonna fight here. I don't know. Diane is pretty fierce, but I feel like Phyllis could really bring it back. She didn't have a chance really to fight back. I would like to have seen some more uh, hair pulling. I really would have liked to have seen Phyllis dig in there and just like beat Diane down. <laughs> I wanted to see it both. I wanted it to be bloodier <laughs> and more even-handed, but it was good. It was it was definitely very good. Um, I, I, I don't know. I think Phyllis and Diane mm, the writers really screwed up because Phyllis and Diane should have been fighting since the day Diane came into Genoa City. That that would have been so great. Instead of involving her in that stupid triangle with Victor, instead of marrying her off to Victor and ruining the freaking character, they should have focused on that meow, you know, that cat fight between her and Phyllis. I think that would have been very, you know, much more interesting. And in a way, it kind of feels like, maybe it's just me, but in a way I feel like it was kind of out of the blue this time, like, like, Wayanara was just trying to squeeze it in 
right before uh, they give Mara West the final boot. You know, I kind of got that vibe. Did you guys get that vibe? Like, it didn't fit. It was great, but it didn't, like, totally fit. Um, but... Again, it did give Phyllis motive. It did kind of suck her into this whole drama that's going to be going down with Diane. And it successfully turned a cold shower on Nick and Phyllis's little uh, lovemaking session when Phyllis realized that Nick slept with Diane, too. He was doing her on the side. And just feel, I think just that. Just knowing that just turned Phyllis off of him. Like, ugh, how could you sleep with her? Of all people. And Nick was sort of weird during the fight. You know, Diane ran out. Diane attacked Phyllis. And Diane ran out. No, here's, here's what happened. Diane attacked Phyllis. Phyllis retaliated with words. And then Diane got all upset and ran out. And Nick ran after Diane. So I can see, you know, why... Why Phyllis was was just, like, putting the kibosh on it. I mean, she decided to file a restraining order against Diane, which is rightfully so. And she told Nick, you know what, after that, bullcrap, no more nookie for you, mister. This week, anyway. <laughs> That put the kibosh on their lovemaking for maybe a week. We'll see. They're still working together. They can't. It's 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 in the air. There's no way it's not going to continue on. Um, the whole thing is so comedy. Like you know, like the the weirdest thing. Like was it not weird that during the middle of this whole thing, two restless style staffers walked in on the whole altercation, and didn't even think anything about the fact that they're seeing their boss shirtless in, with his ex-wife. I mean, they're both practically in their underwear doing it on the desk, it, right out in the open, and then there's this other woman in there practically foaming at the mouth. I mean, like, I would have loved to have focused on, in on the staff reactions. That was interesting to me. I, uh, I tell ya. <sighs> There's more going on behind the scenes at Restless Style than there is in the actual magazine. Okay, now for the final and I think probably most likely suspect of them all in my imaginary who killed Diane scenario that probably won't end up happening now that I've vocalized it. I think the most likely suspect is Diane herself. I I feel like, let's face it, folks, uh, everyone in Genoa City is going to be a suspect, but none of these people are going to actually kill Diane. I mean, it's going to be like this big question mark, but none of these people have the cojones to actually kill Diane. I mean, if, if, if Adam doesn't kill her, then I don't think anyone will, uh, and un unless, unless she dies of some sort of freak accident like I don't know she falls down the stairs and breaks her neck at someone's house and then <laughs> then they get blamed for it unless it's what it's like a freak scenario then I think I think that Di uh, Diane is just going to um fake her own death I mean she's she's she already has the fake identity 
that Adam gave her from this, uh, from his little plan with Victor. She has a fake identity for herself and for her son. So really, all she needs now is uh, enough money to buy a plane ticket to get to Switzerland. That's all she needs, and she's home free. So I think she's going to fake her own death to get away from all of this heat. Probably she will make some money right before she goes, which is, I think, what most of her scrambling is about right now. It's revenge and just getting some cash to get the F out of town. And um, I think that we're going to be scrambling for, like, the next several months to get to the bottom of this mess. It's like I can see it. I'm seeing the future. I wonder if I'm right. I wonder if I'll end up actually being right. But um, I feel like it's going to be it's going to be weeks, if not months of us scrambling to try to to try to sort all of this out, all of this drama out. So since I'm having my premonition moment here, I th- I'm just going to I'm going to save us all the trouble right now. I'm going to tell you right now who will kill Diane Jenkins. You want to know? Get your pencil. (laughs) I'll tell you. You ready? It's going to be uh, Colonel Mustard in the study with the candlestick. Let's back up and talk about Tucker. A little bit more. I know some of you guys don't like him, but I do. I do like Tucker a lot, and I have opinions about him. So, <laughs> um, I'm. I have to tell you, I, I, I just. I feel like every scene, every moment since he has come back from his coma has been dynamic for me. I, I, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling Tucker right now in every way. And I'm really excited to find out who his long-lost child is going to be. And I think also, by the way, it's going to have to be somebody that's going to be paired with Abby. That is so, that's so YNR to do that, to bring on some hip new guy for Abby. Because Daniel's out of the picture and Abby needs someone. So um, I, I just have that feeling. Or, you know, other theories, though. I have heard that Devon... Could be a possible, uh, his possibly his son. I think that's an, an interesting scenario too. I am really interested to find out who it's going to be. And um, Ashley uh, opened up to him, uh, or, or asked him this week. Flat out asked him about it this week, and he decided to tell her the whole truth about the scenario surrounding uh, the son. And um, <clears throat> he let us know that. That note that he got, letting him know that he had a son, was totally anonymous. It was from the mother. The mother basically dropped him an anonymous note telling him that he had a child. Didn't sign it, though. Didn't give him anything else to go on. I Just just that. And Tucker has no clue who it could possibly be. I mean, Tucker... <laughs> Bless him. Bless Tucker. He has... Tucker has dipped his chip in uh, in so many groupies... Back in the day, <laughs> back when he was in the music biz, that he does not even know who it could possibly be. There's take it, take a number. It could be anyone. So he's he's tried searching for the child, but he has no clues, nothing to go on. There's nothing to go on. So the only real hope here is if Paul has some sort of black magic or <laughs> white magic or something that he's able to pull out. 
of his butt to bring Tucker's son, or I think it's son, yeah, son, back into the mix, or, um, yeah, obviously, or, uh, or the, the son's just gonna come forward on, on his own. Those are really the only two scenarios that I can think about, or that I can think of, and, um, I really have been enjoying Tucker's revelation of all of this, and he, he, you know, kind of, you could tell that he feels guilty about it, you know, that he has this son out there that he, that he doesn't know anything about, and he made this, um, wonderful parallel about how, just like his own mother, he has this, this child that he doesn't know about, and you would think maybe that would help him identify with Catherine a little more, maybe that's why he decided to come to Genoa City and kind of try to connect with her in a way, although a strange way, in the first place, I don't know, I mean, but he, he feels like he, he has this child out there, he doesn't know if they're safe, he doesn't know if they're happy, and, um, it's difficult for him, and, um, and it's especially given the, the circumstances surrounding his own childhood, so, now, he has Catherine, this is hard for me, Catherine trying to make up for, like, 40 years of mothering in the span of a few months. And since Tucker's back in action, even though he named her, he, he, he named her the, you know, the, the person to take on his company if, in fact, he was ever disabled. Uh, and, but now that he's back in action, he wants Catherine out. They never have seen eye to eye. I have no idea why he even picked her in the first place when he could have picked Sophia or, or Ashley or, I mean, anybody else. I'm sure he's met so many people who would be more capable instead of his, his mother, who he doesn't get along with at all. And he, he wants her out. Um, he immediately is starting to undo things that Catherine has done. He hired Sophia back, which was great for Sophia. Um, <clears throat> she really enjoyed rubbing that in Catherine's face this week. Like, yeah, Tucker hired me back. I'm sure some of you guys enjoyed uh, seeing Sophia rub that in, too. It was, it was a little bit pleasurable. Uh, the only, you know, problem that, that Tucker really has right now is the fact that it's, he's not 100%. He's not completely back to himself. His, his brain is still injured from the accident, and he hasn't recovered to, uh, to, to the point where he can understand uh, business principles. And I feel really bad for him about that, by the way, because his business is his entire identity. And if he's not this incredible businessman, then what is he? Yeah, you know, I just, I, I just, I identify with him in that, um, Tucker, get into him. <laughs> it feels good. I'm getting in the head and I'm really enjoying it. Um, and the thing is, though, Catherine and Jack are both on to him. They've both figured out that he's, he's, he's clearly got a problem. He's, they've picked up on it. He's not his same old self. And neither of them want to see uh, Tucker back in control of a company when he's still clearly recovering. And, okay, from Catherine's perspective, this is what she says anyway, this is Catherine's excuse, she says that she wants to protect 
Tucker's company, even if that means protecting it from him, you know, keeping him out of the way. So there's this bench court procedure, and Tucker's decided that now he wants to take back control of his company, he wants to get Catherine out, so they go in for this court procedure, thinking that it's just going to be routine, um, and that Tucker's just going to be able to reinstate himself as the head of his own company, and Catherine shows up, and uh, it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. She had to call it out. She had to call it out in front of the judge, in front of Ashley, and she pretty much humiliated him. I don't think that was what she meant to do. I don't think that was her intention. I think that was just kind of a casualty of what she needed to do. But she did. She humiliated him, and the judge had no choice but to let her continue in her role. Tucker is clearly not okay. And uh, honestly... I think Tucker will hate her forever for this. I, that was so, it was just so heartbreaking. I don't know if he's ever going to be able to forgive her. And he is so sad now. He actually told the story, just really got me, about when he was a kid, a little kid, and he had this brand new bike. You guys are probably not feeling this the same way I am, but I this story just got me. He got this brand new bike that his parents bought him, and he goes out to the neighborhood, and he takes it for a ride, and he's so proud of his bike, and he runs into this group of bullies, these older kids, and they toss him off of his bike, and they hold him down while they destroy his bike, this thing that he loved, and he, at the end... It was so touching because he said, that's how I feel right now. Well, the only difference is, this time the bully is my own mother. And it was, I just, I get it. I'm getting in there and I'm understanding it and I just get it. It was so touching. I loved that moment. It was all sad. You know, and um, where do you guys fall on this? Who are you siding with, Tucker or Catherine? Because I feel like Catherine is right about one thing. Tucker does not have any business trying to pull off this ruse. Whether he's got Ashley and Sophia behind him or not, it's a bad idea. I mean, you can't pretend like you're the head of the company and keep getting thrown into these scenarios where you don't know what's going on. He's only been back for a couple of days, and already twice he's been in these scenarios where people are asking him questions about the business, and he doesn't know. It's a bad idea. He should, he should not be pulling it off, but I also think that Catherine should have talked to him about it before just going to the judge. Like, I wish that they would have had a moment of being able to communicate about it rather than her having to humiliate him out of the blue in front of the judge. And, and, uh, now, Catherine is questioning the validity of the marriage. I could not believe this. This is where Catherine went too far, if you ask me. Catherine actually called a lawyer... And is planning to have Ashley and Tucker's marriage revoked, if possible, because she's saying that Tucker was not in the right mind when he made the decision. Can you believe that? I can't even believe that. Usually I am on Catherine's side. And I have been throughout the coma, but not now. Not after this. I feel like business is one thing. She's trying to protect him, but... The, trying to have his marriage revoked is another thing. They were planning to get married before he got in the accident. 
So, and she didn't approve of it then. It's like now she's using it, you know? Now she's just using it as a way to control his life. Plus, she's getting kind of too chummy with Jack. Everything that happens and develops, she's calling Jack on the phone and talking to him about it. And that concerns me because I know where Jack stands. And it makes me question Catherine's true motives where the business is concerned and just where Tucker in general is concerned. I hate that it's making me question that, but it is. And I like just the, the Jack thing really hits home for me because Jack's right there alongside Catherine saying, yep, yep, yep. I mean, she's, she, she's telling him that she's thinking about having the marriage revoked and Jack's like, well, you know, yeah, probably. And, and Jack is just going along with it because he wants to secure his spot at the helm of Jabot. He's holding on to that so tightly, and he doesn't want anything to get in the way. And he's been scared, scared out of his mind, thinking that Tucker's going to come back and take over control. I, I mean, if if Tucker and Ashley are back in charge at Jabot, then that means that there's less room at the top for Jackie Boy. The cosmetics war is heating up. It's uh, Jubo's red carpet collection versus beauty of nature. Um, it's pretty exciting. I think it's been a pretty exciting week this week. Um, Jack and Lauren were interviewed on the talk this week going on to promote uh, Jubo products. Uh, I, I actually saw a commercial for the talk when I was watching Big Brother, by the way, um, they said Peter Bergman was going to be on the show, but I didn't connect it. I didn't know that they were going to, you know, do both. So I'm sure that they did, like, one real interview for the um, for the, the talk viewers and then maybe one pretend interview for our Y&R viewers. But I thought it was good. I mean, let's... Let's hear it for cross promo. <laughs> it was definitely that. Getting a little bit of exposure for each show on both shows. And um, maybe it will encourage some, some new peeps to check out YNR. I'm all for that. So hopefully uh, maybe there'll be some new, um, some new watchers out there. Uh, you know, I had to tell you guys, I, um, I always really liked... I think I'm going to say her wrong. Leah Remini, is that how you say her name? Um, I, I always liked her on The King of Queens. I just started watching that um, in reruns a little bit at my parents' house, um, just here and there. But I thought she's really funny. I like that show. Um, but this is the first time I'd ever seen her outside of The King of Queens. And she seemed mm, like she was funny, but she seemed a little bit kind of crotchy <laughs> to me didn't she seem a little just crotchy just like bitter a little or something like real dark I don't know dark or something about her seemed really uh I don't know really different to me she was kind of like that on King of Queens but something about her this time just I don't know maybe that's just how she is uh, I, I guess but I thought it was good I thought the whole thing was a really funny little break um, it was nice to see. I, I, I like, you know, you know, pretending that my YNR characters and that this is actually a reality, <laughs> even though I know it's not. But I enjoy the fantasy. And um, did you guys know that uh, the this whole Jabot red carpet collection is a real line? of cosmetics or, you know, like, lotions and different, like, things. Like, the products that they're talking about actually exist. You can buy it. You can buy them. Like, um, you can go to, uh, it was shopjabot.com, I believe. 
uh, I think that was the website, and you can check out the products, and you can actually order them, and I thought, I when I saw that, I thought, what an awesome idea for YNR. Maybe you guys all knew about this. I didn't know about that, but I just thought, that's so cool, bringing Jabot into a, to a real-life cosmetics company. I love it. Has anyone tried the products? Has anybody ordered them and tried them? I would love to know. Leave me a comment and let me know. I haven't. Um, I have no money for that, but <laughs> to spend on high-end cosmetics. I don't have a drop of makeup on right now at all, so I have no money to spend on anything. But, um, but yeah, I thought it was, it was cool. And in a way, I kind of feel like maybe they should be promoting it more. Like, why, why aren't they promoting it more? They, I don't know, maybe it's a good thing, because I don't want to have this jammed down my throat as, like, buy, buy, buy these products. But, I mean, at least during the interview at the talk, they should have mentioned the website. They, that, the only, the, they've only mentioned that Shop Jabot website once during the launch party, and then after that, they didn't really mention it again. But I would have thought it would have been appropriate during the interview to at least tell people where they could buy it. Um, I, I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm curious to know if anybody has actually tried the product. I'm intrigued by this whole idea. Um, and I wonder, too, if Beauty of Nature is going to maybe create their own cosmetics line. That would be kind of cool if both of them had products and they were competing, you know. I just, I think that I'd try it. I would definitely try it. I'm not going to blow a bunch of money on, on skincare products, but I'd definitely try it if I got a sample. <laughs> Um, and especially with the Naked Heiress promoting it, of course, I would try it. Um, hey, why not? I have to admit to you guys, though, I, I was kind of surprised that Victoria came up with the idea to offer Abby this, uh, this spokesperson deal. It just, she's so staunch. I can't even believe that she would want the Naked Heiress to be a, a, a spokesperson for her precious Beauty of Nature line. And I was kind of surprised that Abby agreed to it. In fact, jumped at it. She was all over it. Like, Victoria offered to also have a Beauty of Nature be a sponsor on her Naked Heiress television series, which is, I think, what her real goal is. I think she wants to have the TV series, so maybe that's why she jumped at it so much. But it seems like right now just kind of a lot of office work for her. You know, I mean, it doesn't seem like she's, she, I don't know, I just, I'm surprised that she really wanted it because six months ago, both Abby and Victoria were working their hardest to take, you know, Newman Enterprises down, take it to their knees. They were break, helping break the company apart so that they could have their multi-billion dollar lawsuit won, and now they're both kind of at the helm and involved? I just, I in, I, in fact, I just feel like both Abby and Victoria are back exactly where they started right before that horrible lawsuit, and it bothers me. They're, they're, they're back under daddy's thumb, which is exactly where they always said that they didn't want to be. They're, they're waiting to hear if he approves of their decisions, you know, I mean, when they made this announcement about the Naked Heiress, they didn't run it by Victor, and they were worried about that, you know, what's Victor going to say, what's he going to say, what's he going to say, and that's exactly the feeling that they didn't want to have, and I'm surprised that they're both just going back at this, I mean, they know that Victor always has the final say, always, he's made that perfectly clear, and he made it perfectly clear, at the end of the day, it's his way or the highway, which is exactly what they were trying to get away from with the whole lawsuit, and just now they're right back at square one.
it bothers me. They're, it's like that. It's like we're at the same place. Nothing has changed. Except their bank accounts. <laughs> I guess that's, that's the one major change. Um, but at least Nick had the guts to go and do something different. Something not under Victor's umbrella. I mean, I, again, I would have rather seen Nick do something a little more risky, a little more different, a little more independent, but at least he didn't go back to Newman for crying out loud. It's, and, and, you know, for Abby, it's doubly sad because she is under both Victor and Victoria's thumb. It's not just Victor. She has to deal with Victoria, too. I mean, Abby may be in the loop for now, but she's the low man on the totem pole. She's not going to have control the way she wants control. She's not going to have independence the way she wants independence. Uh, whatever. Let the poor little rich girls make their decisions. I'm not going to stress about it. <laughs> um, I think more interestingly, the most fascinating part of all of this is I'm, I think it's going to be interesting to see what role Genevieve is going to be playing in this. Clearly, she's sticking around um, Genoa City. She's she's inserting herself into the cosmetic wars. And she actually called a meeting with Victoria and Abby this week um, just to give some helpful hints. Just to put, you know, give her give some PR advice. You know, just, just no need to thank her. No need to pay her. Just some friendly, free advice. For, uh, for Victoria and Abby and the Beauty of Nature line. And then she turned around and did the same thing to Jack. It was kind of beautiful. I and mean, she's like uh, sitting there talking to Jack, also offering, I mean, to both, both companies, she's offering what seems to be good advice. You know, it doesn't seem like she's trying to do anything sneaky. So I just, my question is, can't wait to get your opinion on this. Is Genevieve just simply hedging her bets? Maybe trying to hopefully jump on board with the company who comes out on top? Or could she be trying to feed both sides against each other? Mm. What are your thoughts? Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. <laughs> Sharon is convicted to 25 years in prison for Sky's murder. And only five years for escaping, for breaking out of jail, which I'm surprised wasn't longer. I thought you would get longer for breaking out of jail, but apparently not. And 30 years total. That's a long time. That is a real long time. Things, no parole, by the way. Things are looking dark. Dark, dark. Dark, 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 dark. For Sharon. And the one person who could help her. The one person who could reveal evidence to save her was Adam. And he just stood by and let the whole thing happen. 
just let her get convicted. And now the DA offers her a deal. He tells her that if she testifies against Adam and lets, you know, the the courts know that he helped her escape from prison, that maybe she will have a way out. At least maybe she'll have a little bit more comfort, you know. She will be able to, in exchange for her testimony, stay in the Genoa City Jail instead of being shipped off to the state pen, which is far less comfortable and farther away from her family. And for just a moment, just a tiny little moment, I think Sharon considered it. (sighs) Until Adam stops by. After days and weeks of calling Adam and, and, and trying to get a hold of him and meeting with him at the jail and trying to convince him about why she did what she did, why she didn't tell him that she was still alive, and why she felt like she was having to move on with Sam, Adam finally starts to show little glimpses, little glimmers of, of still loving her, and he actually admits it. He, he, he tells her that he is still in love with her, and he asks her to marry him. Mm, yeah. Okay. When Adam proposed to Sharon, I felt so mixed. I was like, what? Is he schizophrenic? <laughs> What's going on with him? Like, on the one hand, I thought, well, maybe he really does love her. You know, maybe he's starting to come around. But, that, like, more than that, my, my initial feeling, I thought, like, maybe he only wanted to marry her so that as his wife, she wouldn't be able to testify against him. That was my first instinct. Like, maybe he knew that they were going to try to offer that deal to her, and so he was going to try to cut it off at the pass. Uh, but, of course, that whole theory just flew right out the window when Adam actually encouraged Sharon to testify against him. He was all, save yourself. Don't do it. Just take the deal. It's good for you. You'll be closer to your children. I want you to testify against me. I'm willing to sacrifice myself for you. (laughs) Like a violin, just playing like a violin. I, you know, and the whole time I'm like, I'm kind of confused, you know. I, the way he's he's looking at, at Sharon seems so convincing. And I, I thought, honestly, I thought, wow, maybe Adam has had a change of heart. Maybe, maybe he's going to marry Sharon and then reveal, be the hero by revealing that he actually does have this video evidence. And I was just so mixed the whole time. And I really feel like that is the beauty of Michael Mooney's performance. Here, I can't even say enough amazing things about him. He is rocking me. He just keeps me guessing. I I literally, from minute to minute, had no idea what was going on in Adam's head. And it kept changing. It was like such a roller coaster. And it was so good. It was just so good. So, mm, mm, Adam (laughs) 
brings the padre into the little waiting room where he, the ceremony begins. I'm watching this and I'm like, are Adam and Sharon actually getting married in jail right now? Is this happening right now? The priest is all reading the vows. And Sharon takes a moment to say these wonderful words about how much she loves Adam. And she's clearly so just grateful to him. And she can't believe that their love has still withstood all of this. And she's so grateful. And I was like, wow, Adam just must have had a complete change of heart. This is great. Until the priest asks him, if he takes Sharon to be his wife. And Adam just looked at Sharon and said, no, I don't. How could I love someone like you? Just looked at her with complete disgust and the whole thing just turned around. It was all a root. It was all a lie. <sighs> How could I love someone like you? Look in the mirror, man. I mean, I understand that Adam feels betrayed. I understand why he feels betrayed, but arranging a fake wedding just to pull out at the last moment and Bit right in her face. Ugh. I mean, throwing away the memory card was one thing. I was like, oh, well, maybe there's something. He's still got a copy. But then this whole wedding thing was just salt in the wound of someone he loved that he felt betrayed him. I just could not believe it. I, I honest to God, don't think that I have ever seen something so cold and calculated in all my life. I, it was, it was, it was the cruelest thing I have ever seen. I cannot think of any other storyline or any other action. It, I mean, other than the Ashley's baby, but even that wasn't intentional. This was cold and calculated. It was intentional to inflict emotional pain on Sharon. I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. I really don't. And it sucks for Sharon, too, because everyone warned her about this. <laughs> everyone told her this would happen. Like, one day, one way or another, Adam is going to end up screwing you over. He's going to turn on you, just like he has everybody else. And he did. Not only was that horrible for her, but it justified what everyone has been telling her this entire time. It made them right. It made their love not real, notwithstanding. Mmm, Sharon, girl, you played with fire and you got burned. Mm. I can't help but feel sorry for her. I really cannot feel sorry for her. But, I mean, you can say, say what you will. She is in this situation because of her involvement with Adam. I mean, she's in jail right now because of her involvement with Adam. And she made her own choices. She made her own choices, granted. But there is just no denying that Adam was the root cause of all of her problems for so long. And she just denied it. We all just denied it. Denied it because it was sexy. <laughs> 
now what? Now what? Mm. Okay. Here's another little piece. Here's another little piece of the of the puzzle. Adam goes home to his hotel room and he gets a mystery call. Someone calls him up on the phone. We don't know who it is, but whoever it is, Adam is very annoyed that they are calling him. Like he's got someone waiting in the wings there that that he that he doesn't want calling him. He 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 wants to be the one calling. He's all he's all you're not supposed to call me. You know, I'll call you. Just lay low. You just lay low. It's kind of the vibe that you're getting from this mystery person. And I have no idea what's going to happen. Don't tell me if you know for sure. But if, you, if you're just speculating, leave me a comment and let me know what who the mystery person was. Like, who called him? Who was it? And is it possible that Sky is still alive? And then there's Sam. Good old, reliable, polite, country boy Sam. I'm, I, I am really enjoying seeing Sam, like, step into all of these scenes and all of these sets in Genoa City for the first time. Are you guys feeling it? Are the people that were not into Sam while Sharon was on the farm, are you feeling it anymore now that he's in... Genoa City, does that make any difference to you? I really like him. Um, I like Victor and Sam working together. They're going to help get Sharon out of this mess that she created for herself. Even though, like, <laughs> right when Adam and Sharon are just about to be married, Sharon calls Sam to tell him, which I thought was kind of crappy. You know, like, that was her first thing. Like, well, I've decided to... Like, like she was keeping Sam in the wings. This is true. She was keeping Sam in the wings un while she figured out how things were going to pan out with Adam. And then once she got the sense that Adam was going to protect her, she gave Sam a call and was like, sorry, see ya. That is kind of crappy. I tell you, if I were Sam, and I got that phone call from Sharon, after following her to Genoa City, and... from Sharon telling her she's gonna marry another man after he just told her that he loved her he told her that he loved her this week if I got that phone call I tell you I, I freaking I would I would walk right out the door I would hang up the phone I would walk out the door uh, I would go back to New Mexico to my business to my farm to my life and I would never look back mm-mm mm-mm Sharon has already done him too wrong for that relationship to ever work out, if you ask me. And, but yeah, he's, he's like this puppy. He's, he's never experienced a love life. I mean, I guess once you, once you have Sharon Newman, it's just for an old country boy like that. I mean, you're just drawn, you're compelled. And he, he, you know, I think he also stepped into the situation and got a sense of Adam real quick. You know, I think he saw who Adam was immediately and knew what Sharon had gotten herself into and just felt like he wanted to help her. I think he sees straight through Adam. He, he had that instinct about him right away. And he has a gut feeling that Adam destroyed that evidence that could help save Sharon. And he's not about to let him get away with it. I mean, it's like a pride thing at this point. He doesn't want to let Adam get away with it. So he decides that he's going to stay in Genoa City. 
despite Sharon totally screwing him over, before he even knew whether or not they got married. And it's a good thing, too, because uh, Adam ended up shooing, screwing Sharon over. Sharon ended up needing him. Oh, that really bugs me that she's doing him like that. It really bugs me. But anyway, Adam pretty much all but admitted that he destroyed the evidence to Sharon. He pretty much let her know that, yeah, not only did I just totally uh, fake, emotionally screw you over, but I also destroyed that evidence. And so he didn't exactly admit it, but he danced around the topic enough to let her know what the vibe was. And without Sam and Victor on her side... Sharon would really be left to deal with the consequences of her actions all on her own. She really probably would, at this point, deserve to have no help. But if it weren't for Sam, for Sam and Victor, um, if it weren't for them, she, she would not have any help. Victor actually hired her a new attorney. Um, her name is Avery Clark. I love her. I think she's great. I, can't, I hope she takes the case. I hope she comes in, spins things up in Genoa City. I'm already imagining who we can pair her with. <laughs> I'm immediately like, who could she sleep with? I thought immediately I thought Nick. That would be good. Give Nick a little something a little fresh. Um, I can't decide. Who else? You know, hmm. I don't know. You let me know. What are your thoughts? Who if, if Avery's gonna stay in Genoa City, can we pair her up with anyone? Um, I want to hear your really good, good ideas. It's okay to go off the wall. Let's just, let's have imagination, uh, pairings here. I'm, I'm curious. I can't wait to get to know her better. Um, and I really hope she's going to make a difference in this storyline. Um, meanwhile, Sam using brute force to get the job done as opposed to <laughs> going the legal route. Uh, Sam, <laughs> this is such a good scene. Sam goes to Adam's hotel room, knocks on the door, knock, knock, knock. <laughs> when Adam opens the door, Sam literally bum rushes him. He jumps on Adam the way Diane jumped on Phyllis, and the door closes behind him. The next thing we know, the scene opens up, and Sam is stumbling out of Adam's hotel room, and Adam is all bloody and broken in the background. Like, clearly, Adam just got his butt beat. And Adam stumbles to the door and shouts out after Sam. Was it as good for you as it was for me? <laughs> I was like, really? That's your response? <laughs> why would you even yell that? Like, why would you want anyone to even hear that? Why would you want Sam to hear that? That was weird. That <laughs> was a really, really weird, weird, weird response. But I love... Adam versus Sam. Love it! I mean, like, for, we were all, for all of this time, we've always been painted this picture of Adam and Nick being opposite sides of the same coin. And I submit to you that really, Adam and Sam are opposite sides of a coin. I think that's much more accurate. I mean, Sam is obviously, he's Mr. Stand-Up Dude. I mean, he's Mr. Do the Right Thing, whereas Adam is Mr. Skirt around around the around the issues, skirt around the problem. And so I I don't know. I I like that. I like that difference. I like the tension that creates. I want to see more tension. I want to see more fights. And I'm wondering 
is it possible that Sam could turn out to be one of Victor's long-lost sons? Mm. Okay. Well, that is it. <laughs> that is, those are my thoughts. It is an extra long version of the podcast this week. Um, I really, really am sorry that I wasn't able to post one um, last Sunday. I feel bad about that. I do try to be regular, um, uh, but I just, I couldn't. I couldn't help it. I had a, a technical issue, and I couldn't, I didn't want to stress myself out or, or do a midweek. I thought, well, you know, I'll just make it extra long and extra good uh, this week. And so um, uh, I'm trying to make up for it <laughs> with lots of love. Uh, what else? What's going? What else is going on? Um, I really, I, I, I really can't wait to hear your comments. I mean, I've been almost extra obsessed with YNR this week just because I wasn't able to talk about it last week. But um, I really think a lot is happening. I mean, the, the Diane thing is really starting to explode, and I think it's going to start to get very interesting next week. Who knows? Maybe a doubly long podcast next week too, because there's just so much going on. <sighs> I, I. I, I'm I'm missing hearing from you guys. That's let's let's break it down. Let's be real for a minute. I'm, <laughs> I if I don't hear from you, I I tell you I I wonder if you're listening. I do. I wonder in my heart if anybody is actually hearing this. Um, I sense that maybe people are listening to the podcast, uh, but I don't know for sure. So if if you if you want to validate uh, my time. <laughs> want to validate my parking <laughs> you can uh find a way to contact me there's a couple of ways i personally think the easiest way and the funnest way would be to call and leave me a voicemail i have a voicemail number um you can call in just leave me a short little message you can say what you think about the show leave your comments it's quick you know um uh it, it can be long it can be short and i may even put it into the following uh podcast you know I'll broadcast it for other people to hear uh, your opinions so um the here's the telephone number if you want to get it ready um within the u.s um, it's country code one if you're calling from with outside outside the U.S. But within the U.S., it's area code 309-588-4569. I'll say it one more time. 309-588-4569. I say program and into your cell phone. That way you can just dial me up, give me a buzz every week, let me know what you're thinking. You can also go to my uh, website and leave me a comment at yrchatblog.blogspot.com. Um, you can just post a comment on the, on the posting for this week's podcast. Or you can email me. That's always a good way. I love getting emails from you. My email is yrchat at live.com. So, you know, there's options. <laughs> there's ways. There's ways you can contact me if you really, really want to. <laughs> just saying. I mean, you know, just saying. You guys, it makes me feel good when I hear from you. Um, 
And it makes me, uh, it, it fuels me also to hear your hear your comments and know what you're thinking about the show. Um, it also fuels me and makes me feel good when I see reviews on iTunes. If you're if you are enjoying this, I have seen I have seen a couple of great reviews. It makes me so happy. I can't even tell you. Like I could be having a crappy week and then I see one of those <laughs> iTunes reviews and people you know saying what they think and that makes me feel good. I mean, you don't have to leave a positive review. I guess you could go on there and pay me. But if you've been listening to this for an hour and a half and you hate me, I guess um you deserve it. Go to iTunes and leave me a a, a crappy review. <laughs> Uh, or no, don't do that. Um, but do go, it does make a difference if you you know leave reviews, and it makes a difference too if if you enjoy this and you belong to any Y in our communities. It, it does make a difference if you want to go and post a link. Like all of that helps. All of that helps me tell tell people that you like this. I mean, there are people out there that have don't have YNR friends. I can't believe I'm talking this long about this. But there are people out there that don't have YNR friends, and maybe they're lonely. Maybe they're alone in the night, uh, watching YNR in the dark and thinking about how much they wish they had a podcast that they could listen to. And you can help spread the word. Um, that, that would be awesome. Okay. Oh, for crying out loud. I can't believe I talked this long today. My, my throat's all sore and yet I continue. (sighs) Well, I hope you guys, uh, have a really good week next week. Stay positive. Stay awesome. Um, remember that I love you and I'm watching the show right alongside you and that we're going to talk about it next week for sure. So everybody stay tuned. Um, and I'll see you next time. Okay, you guys. Bye.